You're listening to Behind the Scene at NTSB. My name is Leah Walton. And I'm Stephanie Shaw. Thank you for joining us as we talk with the people and learn more about the work being done here at NTSB. Welcome to episode 19 of Behind the Scene at NTSB. Today we are excited to be joined by Chairman Selmwalt. Um, Chairman, thank you for joining us again on Behind the Scene. Stephanie, it's great to be here. I think I, I was on episode number one. Now we're correct. all the way up to 19, so it's yes. great to be back. Yeah. Chairman Summel, it is uh, Thanksgiving week, and we are talking today about uh, safety with holiday travel and safety with travel in general. But I'm curious, are you traveling for Thanksgiving this year? Well, I am indeed traveling over Thanksgiving. And how will you, well, first of all, where are you going, if you don't mind sharing? <laughs> well, I am going to South Carolina for the week of Thanksgiving, and then uh, on Sunday after Thanksgiving, the, probably the busiest travel day of the year, I will fly to Boston so that I can testify at a congressional hearing on the Monday after Thanksgiving. So a, pr- a preview for listeners, what will you be testifying on? I will be testifying on a pipeline explosion that occurred in the Merrimack Valley in September of this year. So uh, it will be a field hearing uh, for the United States Senate. Field hearing means it's, it's held at a location other than in the halls of Congress. Sure. And I think we, uh, last week, issued a few urgent recommendations, I believe, as a part of that ongoing investigation. We did indeed. We came out with four urgent safety recommendations and one interim safety recommendation. So that investigation is moving along very well. Well, Thanksgiving is one of the highest travel times in the United States. And um, you, as a retired pilot, as our listeners may remember from episode one, um, you probably did a lot of uh, transporting of people to and from their holiday holiday celebrations. Do you have any memorable uh, experiences from when you were a pilot on traveling for... um, during any of the holidays? Well, as we all know, if we do get out there and travel over the holidays, um, it can be hectic, uh, not only for the passengers, but for the pilots as well, because uh, a lot of people traveling terminals are more busy, uh, but generally very good memories of getting people where they wanted to go for the holidays. Yeah, but very busy, correct? Exactly. Very busy, (laughs) yes. And my goal was to always get everybody safely uh, to where they're going, and myself. I wanted to be home for the holidays safely as well. Absolutely. <clears throat> sure. So um, the AAA um, earlier this month kind of released their predictions or their estimates of how many people would be traveling this holiday season, Thanksgiving, starting Wednesday night is is kind of when we start normally kind of calling that the Thanksgiving holiday travel. Um, And so they estimate that 54 million Americans are going to be traveling. Um, So that's the most since 2005, according to their estimates. Um, And about four, a little over four million will be traveling by air. And I know that at um, a board meeting, something that stuck out to me uh, one time when we were ta- you were talking about kind of uh, safety and briefings for air travel was the idea that the flotation devices are not in the same location on every aircraft, with, which honestly, as much as I've flown, I did not know that until I heard you say that. Can, can you kind of talk a little bit about the, those emergency procedures that we sometimes maybe tune out a little bit when we're traveling by well, air? Well, yeah, it's a great question, Stephanie, and I always make it a point to read the emergency briefing card. Now, I fly anywhere from once a week to maybe two or three times a week. and um, But I still pick up the emergency briefing card and look at it because I want to have it fresh in my mind what I'm supposed to do 
if I need to use that that information. And in in the process of picking up this card each flight, I discovered that on some airplanes, it said the seat cushion is your flotation device. And in other airplanes operated by the same airline, the same type of airplane, it would not mention the seat cushion. So I asked officials from that airline, and they said, hey, these newer flotation, these newer seats that are thinner, um, they're not designed to float. They're not even designed to float. So therefore, you cannot use that for a flotation device. So I, so I learned that by, by looking at the emergency, emergency briefing, uh, the safety briefing card. So the bottom line is I think it's a great idea to put down the book, put down the iPhone, whatever <laughs> it happens to be, quit talking to the person next to you, and actually pick up the, the card and pay attention to the flight attendant's briefing so that you can get fresh in your mind what information you may d- need to know on a split second. Absolutely. And in particular, being safe, again, since we are going out in all modes of transportation, um, some people will be going on boats, some people will be going by rail, um, aviation, or uh, on highways. What... Um, what act? What actions can people take as they are getting into their um, mode of transportation to keep themselves safe? Well, let's look at where the action, where the accidents, the crashes, I should say, on the highway are occurring. Uh, they're occurring due to impaired driving, for example. Mm-hmm. About a third of the highway fatalities are due to in, in, uh, actually alcohol impaired yes. driving. Yeah. Th- that doesn't even include the drug impaired mm-hmm. driving uh, crashes. Um, so if we could, if we could minimize or eliminate impairment, distractions over the holidays, there's a lot of distractions, people picking up telephones to say, what, what is it I was supposed to get Aunt Mary or, Mm -hmm. or, or I'm late for the party or whatever. People are distracted. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's screaming kids in the backseat. If we could, if we could control and minimize our distractions, um, fatigue, People might be getting on the on the roadways for long drives. If Absolutely. we can respect those types of things, um, those are important. And I could go on, but I'll let you uh, <laughs> answer some more questions, <laughs> a- ask more questions before I continue on. Sure. So we recently released our own data about um, kind of what traffic, uh, well, transportation fatalities look like as a as a whole, and um, there was about. 39,000 fatalities um, across all modes of transportation last year. And like you mentioned, a significant number, 95% of those happened on our highways. Um, I know that you have a daughter who has who graduated from college not that long ago in, in holiday travel season, especially Thanksgiving holiday. I know a lot of college students and high school students will be kind of staying out later, maybe driving more than they um than they normally would. Do you have any advice for for parents who might have some college students returning? We know, unfortunately, they that that age group is kind of highest risk for falling asleep. Like you mentioned, fatigue behind the wheel. Um, do you have any any tips for for parents from your experience of how they can help kind of protect their children who may not have been driving for the last semester of school and getting back into into the car and and probably likely with some of their their peers as well. Well, it's true that I do worry about my daughter any time that I know she's getting on the road. I worry about that constantly. And so um, um, we know that wearing that a, a person who is properly restrained can be a life-saving device. Uh, seat belts, 
very important. How many crashes do we see these days where someone is ejected? Uh, they would not have been ejected had they been had they been wearing seatbelts. Okay. Proper restraints for children, um, child restraints. We see a lot of cases where children are not properly restrained. Um, you know, even rear seat passengers. Um, I've been guilty of this myself. I, I don't. I, I now have altered my practices. Uh, but if I get in a taxi cab, I got in a taxi cab last night, and I wanted to make sure that I buckled up, even in the back seat, because we find that that rear seat passengers are very vulnerable because they vulnerable because they oftentimes don't. Buckle up. There's a false sense of security. As mm-hmm. an airline pilot, I was constantly in, um, in, in hotel vans going to and from airports or hotels. And, uh, the seat belts are usually scrunched down between the seat cushions. And, and so there may, there may be the tendency not to wear the seat belts there. But, um, when I go out and see crash animations and see how, how people are thrown and flail around in vehicles following a crash, it really changes your behavior. So don't be complacent and think that just because you're in the rear seat, you don't need to put on your seatbelt. Uh, again, the impaired driving issue is, is huge. Um, I, I want to get back on the distractions issue. Um, this is, this is by and large behavior that we can control. Um, yes, if you have a screaming kid in the back seat, maybe you can't necessarily immediately control that. Uh, you do your best <laughs> as, as a parent. As you'd like yeah, to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, as much as you'd like to. But we can make a choice as to whether or not we're going to answer the phone while we are driving or whether you're going to make a phone call, pick up the phone to call. And we don't have to make we don't have to make phone calls. Um, and people say, well, um, I, I use uh, uh, Bluetooth. I use hands free. And what they, I think that's a false sense of security because the data, crash data are showing that, that the crash risk is about four times greater regardless of whether you're using handheld or hands free. So significantly, sure. there is no difference between handheld and hands free. It's the cognitive distraction. I saw a good example of the cognitive distraction just the other night. My wife and I had gone out for a hamburger. I was very, I was driving, I was very much thinking about uh, performance reviews that were due probably last week, and I was <laughs> behind in doing them, and I, they were very much on my mind as what I was going to say. And we came to a stop sign, and I turned to the, to the right. Well, to get to our house, you turn left. Oh. Um, I was following behavior that, that uh, I was going somewhere, towards a house we lived in 30 years ago. So my wife said, are you going to drive by the old house? And I said, "Uh, no. Um, So it would have been curious to see where I would have ended up had she not said anything. But it really emphasized there was no impairment there. uh, But I was distracted, cognitively distracted, thinking so much about something going on at work. And it really drove home the point to me, not literally driving home because I went the wrong direction, but it really did drive home the point that you can be so occupied or preoccupied with something that you are not paying attention to where you're going. Mm-hmm. So don't be fooled. Don't have a false sense of security in thinking that just because you're not talking with that phone pressed up to your ear, that you may be using hands-free, that you're safer. You're sure. not. Hands-free is not risk-free. Hands-free is not risk-free. Exactly. Thank you. Hand that phone to your, your passenger. 
Uh, you can, you know, if you have the screaming kid, if you're a mom like me, you might hand the phone to your screaming kid to distract them so that you as the driver are not distracted. Um, you talked again about uh, impairment and the holidays are, um, you know, people tend to um, drink alcohol, is, you know, to celebrate and everything. And um, <clears throat> I just want to, I would like you to reflect in terms of some choices that could be made um, around around alcohol and the holidays and, um, you know, potentially designating a sober driver or considering, like you mentioned, the rideshare programs that are out there. Certainly, I'm not against responsible um, use of, uh, of alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, again, responsible use, but any degree of alcohol use is impairing. Right. And that's what I learned from a forum that we held a few years ago yeah. is that we kind of think, oh, I'm under 0 0.08, so therefore I'm okay. But any level of impairment uh, it, it can affect performance, even up to 0 0.02 or something. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. don't, be, don't be fooled into thinking that, oh, I'm not legally drunk by most state laws, that you're okay. Sure. Um, and last yeah. Thanksgiving season, um, there were a, a little over 400 people were, were killed over the Thanksgiving holiday in, in motor vehicle crashes last year. And it um, about a third of those people that were killed were in alcohol um, impaired driving crashes. So it's certainly a significant problem, you know, this coming weekend and then even, you know, through the, the new year as well. A few years ago, I think it was uh, two or three years ago, it was December the 21st. Our daughter was home from college. She, uh, maybe she had even graduated by then. She was at a party with some friends of hers that she had known from high school, mm -hmm. actually had grown up with. And she called about one o'clock and said, Dad, I'm, uh, I'm really tired. I'm ready to come home. I said, well, have you been drinking? Well, I, my Dad, I had a glass of wine like four hours ago. And uh, I'm like, wow, you must not be having a good time. She said, no, I'm having a good time. I'm just, I just didn't feel like drinking. So, you know, it, was, it probably was 8 or 9 o'clock before I had a glass of wine. I'm fine, but I'm just really tired. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we'll, we'll spend the night there. She, she said, or I said, I'll come pick you up if, if I need to. Um, she said, no, I'm fine. I said, well, just spend the night there. About 20 minutes later, I heard the door slam, the car door slam, and she was home safely, and I was relieved. Mm -hmm. Well, about an hour after she got home, there was a girl going down, a young girl, 24 years old, going down the same main drag into our subdivision that hit a tree and was killed. Mm -hmm. She was ejected from the car, and she had a blood alcohol con concentration of um, well above the legal drinking, uh, the legal BAC. Um, it just made me realize in contrast, and this, this young lady lived almost directly behind us. Mm -hmm. And so it really kind of hit home to me that here were, here were two girls that were uh, in fairly close age, uh, fairly close in age, and uh, going to the same neighborhood. And uh, one had not been drinking heavily, um, not in the last four hours, but she made it home safely. The other had been drinking heavily. And did not, and this was not more than a mile from my house where, where this young lady died. So, it um, life is precious. It, mm -hmm. it you know here they were going into the holidays, and uh, I know that their life had been the parents and the brothers and sisters' lives had been changed irrevocably. So, um, it is serious, and sometimes we forget just how precious life can be and how it can be altered uh, at just a blink of an eye. Yeah, absolutely. 
And this past Sunday was the World Day of Remembrance for road uh, traffic victims, um, which just really brings it back to that point that you just made. Um, in another lens, in your uh, experience with NTSB investigations, you see a lot of uh, families who have experienced a tragedy. I'm curious, um, what what can you say or what, what would you like to say to those who have lost loved ones? Well, Liam, I oftentimes meet with the family members, uh, oftentimes within hours of their losing a loved one, mm -hmm. and their emotions are very raw. Sometimes they're in total shock. Sometimes they've already reached the point of anger. Uh, the, the emotions vary. But to look into people's eyes who have just learned that someone they love has been killed is one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life to be able to talk to them. But what keeps me going is that we at the NTSB will do everything that we can to learn from their tragedy so that others don't have to go through the pain that they're going through. Sure, and I know, you know, we've we've talked a, a good bit about the fact that a lot of the fatalities do occur on our roadways, and unfortunately, a lot of those fatalities are related to simple behaviors, a, the, a choice that someone made, driving distracted, like you said, not wearing their seatbelt, um, driving, you know, choosing to get behind the wheel after they've been impaired. And a lot of those um, very issues are things that we advocate for on our most wanted list, which as this year kind of comes to a close, we'll be kind of um, moving into releasing a new list. And I just was curious as to um, kind of your thoughts on really the, the actions that you think really still need to be made that can really kind of emphasize the, the idea that what we want is to prevent, prevent those tragedies. That's right. We have a saying, uh, it's on a plaque out at our training center that says, from tragedy we draw knowledge to improve the safety of us all. Mm -hmm. And that is really what the NTSB is here to do. And as you mentioned, our most wanted list, we will be issuing a new mo most wanted list of those things that that we believe need additional attention. And uh, I look forward to unveiling that list in early January. Sure. Um, in the time leading up to the holidays, which were pretty much there, um, what what concerns you the most um, going into a holiday season um, around transportation safety? I think it's really sad to go into a holiday knowing how many people, statistically speaking, will lose their lives over that stretch of days mm -hmm. i've read in the in the newspaper but you know that this this 4th of july weekend uh we expect to lose 450 people yeah i mean that's that's ridiculous that we're just we already know that that many people will die on our nation's roadways and it should not be that way and it doesn't have to be that way we can make a difference and we have to make a difference mm -hmm. and with that um there are, I think that with you saying that, you know, we expect so many people, you know, will will die in crashes such, you know, such and such. But 
there are individually, there are steps that we can take to protect ourselves. And we've talked already about it, but I think it's worth reinforcing that um, the choices that we make as individuals, no matter what mode of transportation that we're taking, that we can do to make ourselves safer. And I don't know if you want to reinforce any, th any of those again for our listeners, just as, uh, as another uh, highlighting point and safety tips. Well, I think uh, I think we've hit them, but uh, you're right. Uh, I mean, it's uh, it's not a uh, uh, profound list, but these uh, things do save lives. Eliminating distractions, uh, eliminating impairing um, impairment in driving, uh, eliminating fatigue in transportation, uh, being properly restrained. Uh, those are just uh, some of the things that we can do that really can drive down significantly the highway death and injury count. These are real lives that we're talking about. There really ought to be social outrage that we lose over 37,000 people on our nation's roadways every year. That's 100 deaths each day on average. There really ought to be just outrage about that. Um, it's devastating. Think about those numbers. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, a lot, again, the, a third of the fatalities are alcohol impaired. And we've said a lot that um, alcohol impaired driving is 100% preventable. We don't have to have these lives lost on our roadways if people make a choice. If they're going to drink, don't drive. If they're going to drive, don't drink. There are many, many, many different uh, opportunities and options for people to get home safe um, by, uh, you know, by any means. Um, and so I just think that that's worth, uh, you know, reinforcing. And also just, you know, we say, you know, these lives can be lost. And I think, again, just kind of taking a look at it is it could be me. It could be you. Um, these lives, you know, this kind of a nebulous concept of lives lost. But when you really kind of take a look at the choices that I'm making, could impact not only myself, but my loved one or someone else that I don't even know. Um, and likewise, anyone else that I'm driving around could really impact my life. So I want, I would love for everyone else to be making those safe choices as well. Well, you're right. And I think that you're right. We can control what we do in our automobile mm -hmm. or in our auto. But can we the uh, thing that worries me is, is the other guy. Back when I was young, the saying was, look out for the other guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I can, I can drive doing all of the right things. But if some drunk driver or drug-impaired driver or some distracted driver cuts across the median and runs into my car. So you're right, Leah, and we've seen that. We have met survivor advocates who have lost loved ones not because they were doing the wrong things, right. but because someone else ran into them. Mm -hmm. Sure. And I think it's important to point out, too, that we know that seatbelts, your greatest defense, everyone has access to them when they're in their personal vehicles or riding with someone else. And, you know, it's just that simple. You may not be able to control a, a drunk driver or a distracted driver, but mm -hmm. you can certainly improve your chances of surviving that crash if you just simply buckle up no matter what seating position you're in. Absolutely. So. Well, we are getting to the end of our podcast. Chairman Sumwalt, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? Well, thank you so much, Leah and Stephanie, for, for having me. What I'd like to offer is the wishes for everybody to have happy holidays 
which means safe holidays. Mm -hmm. You can't be happy if someone in your family has just been killed. Mm -hmm. So be happy and safe. Thank you. And Stephanie, any final thoughts from you? Yes. Um, if anyone would like to learn more about Chairman Sumwalt's background, we would encourage them to go back to where we started and, uh, and check out episode one to learn a little bit more about you and how you got to the board. And thank you, uh, like we said uh, when we started, for coming back to behind the scene. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to, it's an honor to be the chairman of the NTSB. We have such a wonderful, powerful mission to investigate track uh, accidents, crashes, so that we can learn from them to keep them from happening again. That's a wonderful mission, but we couldn't do it without the wonderful people that work here. Well, thank you again, Chairman Sumwalt, and thank you to our listeners who tuned in today. We hope you have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Subscribe to and like us on your favorite podcast platform. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget, you can always find us at ntsb.gov. Thank you and bye.